Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. Macbeth isn't as strong as he appears to be. How far do you agree with this statement? Well, in this kind of essay question, you really need to look at both sides of the story here. First of all, in the ways that Macbeth is strong and then the ways that he isn't strong. Um, And so it's going to be really important to show an awareness of the whole of the play. There's such a contrast between the way Macbeth is presented at the beginning of the play and then as the story develops and he receives the prophecies from the witches about becoming king, as he begins to consider what he might do as a result of those prophecies to kill Duncan himself. Um, And then as he goes through with it and then changes and starts to make a lot of brutal decisions. So think about the beginning of the play. We don't meet Macbeth until at one scene three. Before then, we hear about him through a report of the battle that's been fought for the King Duncan. Macbeth is described as brave and the soldier describes how his sword smoked with bloody execution. When he met the enemy, Macbeth unseamed him from the nave to the chaps, a really violent and quite gory image. Now, obviously, in this stage of the play, Macbeth is showing his loyalty to Duncan by fighting bravely in this war. But I think there's good grounds to question whether there is a kind of ruthless violence to Macbeth's character that is always there anyway. Now, this plays a tragedy, and Macbeth is the tragic hero. A tragic hero begins the play in a place of greatness, usually through making a fatal error, Um, And because of a fatal flaw in their character, the tragic hero goes on a course of destruction and eventually loses everything. So at the start of the play, Macbeth, our tragic hero, is about to be promoted to this role of the Thane of Cawdor as a result of his bravery in in battle. However, we're going to watch Macbeth make some really bad choices and it's going to lead to his destruction. Now, Let's talk a bit more about the witches. The witches give Macbeth some prophecies that he will become Thane of Cawdor and the king. We see the first one come true straight away. um, But this prophecy about being king, Macbeth immediately thinks about killing Duncan in order to make it come true as soon as possible. Now, Macbeth is really aware from the first moment this thought enters his head that this is a terrible thing to do. Obviously, in the time that this was written, um, the king was there by divine appointment. You know, if you killed the king, that was the crime of regicide and it was an act against God himself. The king was God's representative on earth. Now, if you think about how Macbeth responds to the idea of murdering Duncan, he says that it's a horrid image that doth unfix my hair. Initially, he's got this physical reaction against the idea. But is Macbeth's fear of killing Duncan weakness? Or is it strength? Because obviously, morally, Macbeth is strongest when he goes with what he knows to be right. He presents to his wife in Act 1, Scene 7, all the reasons why he shouldn't kill Duncan. The Macbeths are hosting Duncan. He's their king. They should be loyal to him. 
And not only that, he's been a really good king. He's done nothing um, to deserve being murdered. But the problem is Lady Macbeth is so determined to talk Macbeth around. She accuses Macbeth of cowardice. Now, this is a key point um, of this question about Macbeth not being as strong as he appears to be. Lady Macbeth attacks Macbeth's sense of masculinity by saying, were you drunk when you promised this? I would have gone through with it, even if it meant tearing my own baby and dashing my baby against the wall. She uses really extreme and again violent imagery to say to Macbeth how much he's let her down and how much he's backing out of what is the right and manly thing to do by not killing Duncan. But of course, the audience can see that maybe it's a form of moral strength that Macbeth tries to hold out and not kill Duncan. However, his wife's pretty convincing. She plays upon his flaw, which, as we know, is ambition. Macbeth himself acknowledges it. I have no spur to prick the side of my intent, only vaulting ambition. And she plays upon this and all of his weaknesses, and he's pretty easily manipulated to say, OK, let's go through with it. Now, right before Macbeth murders Duncan in Act 2, Scene 1, he has the vision of the dagger. And I think that that whole scene is really important dramatic device where Shakespeare's really showing the audience Macbeth's dilemma here, Macbeth's indecision. If Macbeth was really as sure as he liked to make out, he surely would have just gone straight in there and killed Duncan straight away. The fact that he's deliberating, saying, is this a dagger I see before me, shows his uncertainty and his unstable state of mind. He's so worried about what he's going to do. Um, it's psychologically affecting him. He's really aware of witchcraft and evil all around him. Finally, at the end of that soliloquy, Macbeth does reach a kind of decision point. He hears the bell tolling um, and he says, I go and it is done. And his really simple language there and his tone of certainty shows that something shifted, something that, that was holding him back. He's now suppressed his moral conscience and he decides to go through with that. Now, that doesn't mean that he has no regrets. In Act 2, Scene 2, after he's murdered Duncan, he's a complete wreck. He goes around the stage, jumping at every owl hooting and every noise. He refuses to go back in there when his wife says, well, really, you should have gone and left the weapons in there. In a contrast, Lady Macbeth seems very calm at this point. Macbeth laments the blood on his hands and the blood is a key sign of his guilt. He talks about all great Neptune's ocean not being able to wash the blood clean from my hands. Lady Macbeth, however, just dips her hands in the water and says, a little water clears us of this deed. How easy it is then. It seems like Lady Macbeth has all the strength at this point, and Macbeth is just really hopeless. But then things start to shift. As Macbeth gets what he wants, and is crowned king, it seems that Lady Macbeth recedes further back into the background. Macbeth begins to make decisions on his own. Macbeth can't stop thinking about the witch's other prophecies. They told Banquo that his children would become kings. So immediately, Macbeth is thinking, I need to get rid of Banquo, and I need to get rid of his children. Macbeth sends some murderers to meet Banquo and Fleance on the road and murder them. And in the banquet scene in Act 3, where he sees Banquo's ghost, again, we have a really good dramatic device used to show Macbeth's sense of guilt. 
This time, he doesn't even commit the murder himself. He sends other people to do his dirty work for him. He puts on a show of being strong in this banquet of his nobleman, but he turns into a quivering wreck when he sees Banquo's ghost, with twenty gashes upon his head. He really almost gives himself away in front of everyone when he says, Thou canst not say I did it. Lady Macbeth again has to intervene. She sends the lords away. But I think it's interesting the fact that she tells Macbeth again that he's not being manly. He says, Art thou a man again? Um, and she says, When all's done, you look upon a stool. It's just a chair, Macbeth. Why are you being silly? However, Macbeth's real sense of guilt is actually a sign of, of his actual moral strength, of his conscience, that he can't quite kill it. He can't quite become completely numb to his own conscience. And Lady Macbeth's going to show us later in the play that she also is going to have to deal with this guilt at some point. She can't keep putting it off forever. Now Macbeth goes back to the witches, demanding more information about the future. Obviously, he manages to get Banquo killed, but Fleance Banquo's son escapes. So Macbeth's determined to know what to do next. The witches give him some warnings and some more paradoxical prophecies. They say, beware Macduff. And he kind of knew that anyway, because Macduff didn't turn up to the feast. We learn um, in separate scenes that Macduff has gone to England to find Malcolm, the rightful heir of the throne, Duncan's son, to bring him back. Um, they also tell Macbeth that none can vanquish him that are of woman born, which obviously makes it sound like basically no one alive can ever kill Macbeth. They also say that he will never vanquish B till Burnham would move to Dunsinane. And so obviously on the surface, how could a forest move? Macbeth thinks he's pretty much invincible. But Banquo's warning at the beginning of the play that oftentimes to win us to our harm, the instruments of darkness tell us truths, turn out to be a very good statement. Because in fact what the witches are doing, as Hecate reveals in the scene before Macbeth arrives, is they're trying to lull Macbeth into a false sense of security. Hecate says that security is mortal's chiefest enemy. Why? Because they feel like they're invincible when they're actually not. At this point, Macbeth has got the power that he wants and he's kind of drunk on power he feels like he can do whatever he wants with no consequences and these the second visit to the witches kind of uh, reinforces this faulty view that he already has off the back of visiting the witches he makes the brutal decision to send people to Macduff's castle and slaughter everyone Macduff's wife Macduff's children knowing that Macduff isn't there um, it's a really horrible decision and there's quite a poignant scene where we see Lady Macduff um, and her son and then the murderers come on in and start attacking them. It's a really horrible um, idea that Macbeth would just so brutally order this. Of course, when Macduff finds out about this, Macduff is bent on revenge and manages to convince Malcolm to come back with an army from England to fight Macbeth. And so we move into Macbeth's final stand. Now, before Macbeth's final stand, it's worth saying we have this sleepwalking scene where Lady Macbeth is is seen to be compulsively washing her hands. Um, and as a contrast to earlier in the play, she says, all the perfumes of Arabia will not sweeten this little hand. Who'd have thought the old man to have so much blood in him? So the guilt catches up with her and she can't be as strong as she pretends to be either. 
But by this point, Macbeth is so um, detached from his wife, so uh, isolated in his own pursuit of what he wants, that he seems very distant from her. Whilst she is now dealing with the guilt, he seems to have got to the point of no return. He says, I am in blood stepped in so far that to return were as tedious as to go over. In other words, I've come this far, I can't go back now. Blood is a key image in the play. It shows guilt, it shows violence, and these things are all going to be associated with Macbeth. So how strong is Macbeth? Well, towards the end of the play, he does make a stand against Macduff and Malcolm's army quite bravely. We see a bit of the old warrior Macbeth from the very beginning of the play in his determination to stand his ground and fight. He realises as the scene unfolds that the witch's prophecies have misled him. He finds out that Macduff was actually born by Caesarean section. Um, Macduff was from his mother's womb untimely ripped. So Macduff isn't really born of woman in the normal sense of the word. Secondly, as a kind of battle strategy, um, Malcolm's army cut down trees from high Great Burnham Wood and carry them to Dunsinane. So it does look as though the forest is moving. So at this point, Macbeth realises that his time is up. But he refuses to surrender. And I think we see in that a, a sense of the tragic hero, a sense of, you know, a sense of greatness, even though we know that greatness is really misdirected. So you can make up your mind about Macbeth. How strong or weak is he? He's physically strong. Um, he's uh, at some points in the play very decisive. But at other points, he is quite weak and indecisive too. But is his indecisiveness actually a sign of moral strength? That's an interesting thing for you to explore with this question. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests. So if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.